In this unedited edition of the Flophouse, we learn the error of our ways by watching the slapstick right-wing comedy An American Carol. Hey, welcome to the Flophouse. Uh, I'm Dan McCoy. Uh, I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. I don't need to say uh before my name. No, you don't, but you uh, did. <laughs> I didn't. Sure. But, uh, I don't like this. I'm Elliot Kalen, so that it sounded like I was saying I'm. Yeah, no, that's pretty good. Tonight, um, we watched a little film. Very little film. Yeah, sure. It was 80 minutes? Uh, 82 minutes. 82 minutes. Probably. Does that include the country music closing? minutes with <laughs> yes. credits. Yeah. Uh, from called An American Carol, as opposed to the French Carol and the German Carol. Egyptian Carol. Yeah. Japanese Carol. Or my yeah. Aunt Carol lives in New Jersey. No, no kidding. It was a, a takeoff <laughs> of the Charles Dickens Christmas story. Pickwick Papers. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Our American, mutual friend. In American Great Expectations. So... It was an homage to, would you say homage? What, to Christmas Carol? Yeah. It's a ripoff. It did the same thing that... So you wouldn't say homage. The same way that sitcoms used to every year around Christmas do their Christmas Carol episode, where it'd be like, what if Urkel was never born? I guess we'll we'll have to find out. Alf is visited by four ghosts. That's that's, a wonderful life thing. Yeah, yeah, Urkel is visited (laughs) by three ghosts. One of them played by Alf. And now... (laughs) Every year, the Republicans are going to do their version of A Christmas Carol. An American Carol. And their version of It's a Wonderful Life. And what it, else? It's and an their American Life? Wait, would that story. work? It's an American Life? Yeah. Well, there's already uh, um, This American Life. Well, that's different enough. Right? Okay, I'll give you that. Or Life in These United States. Wait, that, wait that This American Life thing, that's pretty Republican, right? No. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Like like all NPR programming, it is a heavy conservative bent. Yeah. So um, you want to kick us off, Dan? Give us what's the what's the back? What's should the we plot? talk about what the plot of it is, or should we talk about why we watched this in the first place? I'm not sure there was a plot, but well, there was a clear plot. Michael Malone, a thinly veiled Michael Moore parody, hates America and everything about America, just the same way that everybody who's liberal hates America and hates wars and hates everything that makes America great, i.e., wars. And so, and he's also mean to his family. Oh, and he's not really mean. He's just kind of negligent to mm-hmm. his he's distant ne- to his nephew. Yeah. yeah, actually, it's just they're not even estranged. They just don't talk that often mm-hmm. to his nephew, who's in the navy, and his nephew has a ton of disabled kids because like gen- seven of them or something. He's always shooting like half blanks uh, in the sack. But that's, that's how besides, that happens, right? Because yeah. there's something wrong with his semen. Well, his sperm probably had a bent tail. Okay, but that, anyway. was the, that was the subtle thing. That was the subtlety of this movie. They're, they're saying that Republicans are right all the time. However, they give birth to defective children. Yeah, which is why they're still Democrats. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he wants to outlaw the Fourth of July, uh, and so the like ghost, you do if you're a Democrat. The, sure. The ghost of John F. Kennedy, played by a very bad John F. Kennedy impersonator, steps Terrible. through a TV and tells him, "You're going to be visited by spirit." Or he doesn't even say that. He just says, "Like you got to learn a lesson, guy." And so the exactly. then he climbs back into the flat screen. Yes, the ghost like Samara from the Ring. The ghost of George Patton, played I was by say like the bad guy from Brain Scan, 
or like every character in Stay Tuned. Uh, the <laughs> or like Videodrome. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's, and James Woods is in this, too, and the whole time he was on screen, which is only about a minute, I kept thinking, like, oh, you were in Videodrome. That's one of my favorite movies. Like, come on. But, yeah. uh, and, uh, and he was also in, um, you know, a good episode of The Simpsons. But anyway, those, and that's the only things James Woods has ever been in. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, and then the ghost of George Patton, played by Kelsey Grammer, basically, like, and George Washington, played by John Voight, and a judge, played by Dennis Hopper, they basically, like, show him that... All of America's good things come from the wars it's fought, mm-hmm. and to be against war is to be anti-American, and to be there are only two things. And Bill O'Reilly's in it too. And there's only one. There you can only be like a very unquestioning American patriot, or you can be this Michael Moore parody who hates everything about America. And at the same time, Robert Davi is a terrorist who somehow they're like pretending to fund Michael Moore's. Michael Wait, he Malone's was a terrorist? Movie. I thought he was a, I thought he was a Colombian drug lord. <laughs> you think of License to Kill. Okay. Uh, I was watching the wrong movie, I think. Somehow, like... In your head. Yeah. He, <laughs> I think, well, the, the, the right thing to do in watching this movie is to imagine a different movie in your Wait, head. Was License I to would kill not the have one imagined the, License to Kill. Was it's like to the kill Princess the one? Bride where he puts himself someplace else <laughs> yes. to avoid the pain. Wait, so License to Kill, was that the one where the guy gets put in like the pressurization chamber and then he explodes inside there? I don't remember that. I remember uh, Linda Hunt... With a whip uh, necklace. Wait, I think oh, you're no, I'm thinking, thinking of. If looks could kill, if looks could kill, which is uh, which is a much better movie. If looks could kill, who's talking now? Yeah. I think is the movie you're thinking of. <laughs> yeah, that's where it, it was. Linda Hunt and a talking dog. <laughs> uh, or you could see, you could hear what the dogs were thinking. I never understood how that worked. But anyway, so in the end, he learns his lesson. Wait, could you hear the yeah, babies with little... in that one too? And the look who's talking uh, now? Could I don't the baby? Remember. Could you hear the baby? Well, they could hear the babies still? and the dogs. It was <laughs> they talk on the same frequency. <laughs> it was like you know a sitcom that has been on the air for several seasons. They're like just to add other things that talk. <laughs> if they if there was they a don't look, take away things that talk. They just, like 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 plants. If there was yeah, well that's the thing. If they if they had made the fourth one, guess who's look who's talking? Then uh, it would have been a fourth. Kirstie Alice's ficus tree. So wait, were they like? <laughs> and, then, and then in. Uh, and look who's what? They're talking now? It would be like they'd press down the toaster thing and it would go, it's a living, and then toast would pop up. Wait, would the, so the toaster's like a turtle or some kind of dinosaur? Yeah, like in the Flintstones. Okay. Oh, but you but also the, forgot the Ghost of America future played by some uh, country singer. Well, he that was I'm the angel of death, with. he said. And uh, Toby Keith. This is a, this is a movie that. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It, it was Toby been. It looked like Toby. This Garth is a, Brooks. This is a movie where George Washington takes. Michael Moore through a dusty church, and he says, oh, it's pretty dusty. No one's cleaned in here. And George Washington says, look, this is why, and opens the door on the, the wreckage of the World Trade Center and says, this is the dust of 3,000 dead men. And then Michael Patriots. Malone falls forward and hits his head on a Liberty Bell about two, three, two or three times <laughs> and then falls over. That, so, that's the movie in a nutshell. I, I, I have expected that scene to be punctuated <laughs> with a loud fart. <laughs> you expected a fart or George Washington to break into a rap or something. <laughs> yeah. It didn't happen. David Zucker respects those who fell on 9-11 so much that he uh, made a goofy comedy about it. Which is it. fine. It's just get your... get like the, it, the whole thing had very crossed wires. It was like, we're going to make a ton of like silly jokes about this thing, but there are other things that you don't make jokes about. Maybe, well, I mean, maybe they shot that scene and then they're like, guys, we don't got any jokes in this scene. Uh, there were so many other scenes with no jokes in them, though. Yeah, I guess you're right. So, uh, Elliot and Stuart, you're both, uh, you're both pretty liberal guys. Um... 
I can only uh, economically. I, I can. Uh, I'm slightly to the left of what, like Lenin? I don't know. Sure. No, but I can I'm only not, assume that after this liberal. film, I'm very socially conservative. I can only assume that after <laughs> this film, you have seen the error of your ways. Um, actually, no, Dan. I uh, I agree that I shouldn't allow uh, that we shouldn't allow the ACLU zombies, <laughs> which this movie showed us uh, the ACLU's all zombies. We shouldn't allow them to pull down the the, the Ten, Ten Commandments. Commandments in a courthouse. For a while, I was like, "Are they trying to pull down the Bill of Rights?" I guess I guess I'd defend that they shouldn't pull. No, down. there's Ten Commandments. But yeah, the Ten Commandments. That this was kind of weird. The um, scene where Dennis Hopper and and uh, and Kelsey Grammer are. Shooting and killing zombies, but the zombies aren't eating people. They're just trying to take down a car, like uh, the Ten Commandments from a courtroom yeah. wall. Well, this this but is as, and as much as you believe in having those Ten Commandments up, it really doesn't give you the license to shoot people in the back. Well, yeah, this is the thing that disturbed me probably the most in the movie was um, a scene where they're shooting members of the ACLU who, um, in the words of uh, Aaron Sorkin's film The American President. An organization simply devoted to upholding the the, uh, the First Amendment, whether or not you agree with some of their uh, and the Fourth and Fifth Amendment. But um, well, you also heard. No mistake, did you or about- did you not hear Kelsey Grammer say after he shot a terrorist in the back, "Enjoy your civil liberties in hell"? Oh no, it was or was it enjoy uh, your think- your. Uh, Right to privacy. Enjoy your right to privacy in hell. Yeah, I the think you're. One. I think you're focusing too much on the word enjoy, <laughs> focusing less on the fact that Kelsey Grammer shot him. No, no. well, he was a terrorist. Though. First of all, do we know he was a terrorist? He just got shot and exploded. You like saw, that could have just been an explosive he, he was ghost about, bullet. He was about to have his bag checked by the NYPD in the subway, who usually just watch people walk by and don't check anyone's and bags. And hang out with their dog. Yeah, uh, and then the ACLU zombies said, "You can't do that," and they went, mm, "What are we gonna do?" And then the one terrorist said to the other, like, thank Allah, and then he was going to, and then he blew up when well, Kelsey Grammer okay. shot That him. was a really small bomb if he would have exploded. Well, that's like... the thing is the bombs in this either take out an entire building or just one person. <laughs> well, it clearly. And they have timers on them. Robert, Robert Davi walks into Madison Square Garden with a bomb strapped to him, but it has a timer on it. So he goes, death to America, but he's still got like a minute left on the bomb. Yeah, I got to vamp a little. <laughs> So, so he has to run away. Like it doesn't make sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna do my uh, staged reading of my play while you. <laughs> no, but interior, <laughs> Madison Square Garden. <laughs> a lone terrorist stands by himself in a spotlight. Handsome. Enter stage right. But no, clearly David's <laughs> wind blown. Handsome, the word used to describe Robert Dobby. Slightly, slightly facially scarred. But clearly, Only David Zucker though. just wanted to put a, uh, a scene in this film where members of the ACLU get shot, and, and he was like, after the fact, he's like, okay, this is a little harsh. Um, they're zombies. All right, that but makes the, it well, okay. The zombies. weird thing about those zombies is they're fucking like talking. Like it's not like they're lucid. It's well, like it's like if a dog starts like if say like a fucking bear starts talking to you, you probably won't like shoot it with a flamethrower quite as quickly. You, you are obsessed with shooting bears with flamethrowers. No one does that. Yeah, let's pull back the flophouse curtain a little bit and talk about how we were discussing bachelor parties before this, and Stuart's ideal bachelor party involves shooting a bear with a flamethrower. Well, yeah, I mean that's not that weird. Members right? of. Um, you know the American uh, Society to well, Prevent would, Cruelty for Animal Against Animals. Uh, Peter, right? Well, no, well, where no, would, no, Peter's the crazy one. Well, oh, where yeah. would the you ASPCA. do this though? In Eastern Europe. So the ASPCA has no jurisdiction. They wouldn't give a shit. It would just be the SPCA. They'd rather me do that in Eastern Europe than here on. American I don't think that's law. how it works. I would draw my my bachelor party involves driving a tank, <laughs> uh, shooting bears with flamethrowers, um, maybe. 
you know, probably naked girls. So, ladies, if you want to take this guy off the market and and make this bachelor party happen, <laughs> if you think there's one too many bears in this in this world, right in. So wait, so wait. I'm getting. She wants to marry me simply so a bear will die. <laughs> like maybe this bear killed her family, and she's like, "Oh, you have to kill Old Smokey, the greatest bear." This in bear the that killed woods. my family, yeah, you yes. kill him, I marry you. Maybe you'll marry a Stephen <laughs> Colbert. I'd. I'd want to marry that woman if, like, she's got that sexy accent. Oh, yeah, she's a gorgeous She's got, Eastern like, a European. revenge scenario. Yeah, it sounds awesome. <laughs> You've got everything I've always loved. An accent, a vendetta. Possi- possibly an eye patch, because one of her eyes got clawed oh, out well, by she's a bear. Now she's just Molotov cocktees from Venture Brothers. <laughs> yeah, that's probably right. Uh... Okay, but in American Carols, this was a good movie. Mm. Okay, though, yeah, so it was weird no, that like, he's shooting like talking zombies. Well, because the idea was that... They're not really zombies the, anymore. The metaphor, and it's kind of it's not a bad joke metaphor, is that the ACLU are like zombies because they're constant and unstoppable and unceasing. And Implacable. I don't know, I think that is a bad <laughs> metaphor, because that's not what I think of when I think of the but ACLU. It isn't what, but it's their point of view about the ACLU. That, right. I can understand that one as, you if you see the ACLU as, a, as an organization that... Exists to stand in the way of police and the government, which it's not. But you may think that way. Then this is a good metaphor for that. It's a, it's one of the few things of creativity in the movie that I thought was like kind of clever, even if though I disagreed with it. Completely. More so, that, say than their uh, irrational hatred of Columbia University. That was weird. They just keep they keep, all the all of these student protests and teacher and 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 crappy professors who hate America are at Columbia. Yeah, Columbia, the real center of leftist dissent in America. And you know, granted, as, as we were talking about, you know, the 1968 um, uh, protests, which I think were being obliquely referenced in this movie, and you know, they had, very obliquely uh, Ahmadinejad, but but I don't know, like they have these. Uh, Parent figures come in and being like, "What? This is what you're teaching our children? <laughs> this is where our college money is going to?" And it's like, Ooh! "Yes, <laughs> yes, you're you have the ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> you have been paying to send your child to an Ivy League <laughs> university. <laughs> like, oh my God, they might get a good job after yeah. school. It'll look good on their transcripts. Nobody's getting a good job after school these days. No, though. no." Listeners, yeah, Dan, you know, stay at home. Chimney sweeps. Oh well, this is uh, that was another. That was one of many unnecessary song and dance numbers. Mm-hmm. Or was there? How, if, I feel like there were a ton, but now I can't really remember any besides that and the the country song at the end that said America is the best country in the world, which is true. And then to back that up, it said we've got the army, the marines, the navy, and the air force, which are good things that we have. Even though but the it's marines not the are reason technically we're, the navy, I mean, like that well, seems but like can, they kind maybe of, you just put that in to keep the balance. They've of the become kind of their something. own branch in a lot oh, okay. of ways. But they like. That's not the reason America. Like America has a very strong, great military, but that's not no, what that's makes the a re- country that's, great. That's what makes it great, Elliot. No, as we, like, as, as an American Carol proves at the end, when Michael Malone is looking out at the audience <laughs> and he sees soldiers from each, from each every generation war. going back uh, to the Minutemen, and he's I've like, to, "Oh, I get it. Wait, were those ghosts? War, that's what they makes- were. I'm not sure if they were ghosts or he was just seeing things. Like I have to like as someone who I've now ne- I. I've never served in the military, and I never will because I'm deathly afraid of it. But the uh, like, it's but you're so who, strapping and thank and, you and athletic. Also, they wouldn't take me because my eyesight is terrible and I weigh about a hundred pounds. But the uh, like, I, I have incredible respect for the military, and I, you know, I've teared up reading books about the Civil War, or World War II, or the Vietnam War because of the things these men have gone through to protect America. But it that them fighting to protect America is not the basis for America's great. Like, they're fighting for te- to protect 
a great country that's great for several reasons. They're not fighting because it's great to be fighting for this country because they are great fighters or something? Exactly. Well, the reason America is great is not the same reason that Rome was great. Right. Like, Rome was great because it conquered a bunch of places. Like, America's great because... Yeah, because they had really good military tactics. The greatest system of government. You're saying that this this movie has basically the same philosophy as the film 300? Yeah, yeah, very much so. (laughs) Which is weird because 300 is basically about the Iraqi insurgency fighting off the United States. Mm. This giant multicultural force comes in. And these guys go, ah, we got to protect everybody and kill everybody, ah. I thought it was about dudes with really good bodies battling. Well, it's about guys Mm -hmm. cutting off the heads of giants in slow motion and (laughs) shooting spears into rhinoceros' (laughs) eyes and things like that. Yeah, that's great. It's about the visionary director, Zack Snyder. Yeah, really, really, really wet pecs. (laughs) (laughs) They could have called the movie Wet Pecs. (laughs) I'd have fucking seen it. Gather ye round and listen to the story of wet pecs. (laughs) Now, guys, uh, we'll talk about wet pecs. A little later. <laughs> Onward to what facts? <laughs> what well, uh, sounds like a great you know, movie. I, I know you guys know me. You know how much I like a movie with a bunch of ghosts and zombies and shit. <laughs> the thing that's weird is that uh, the weird thing about this movie is there were a lot of scenes where there are ghosts doing shit. Yeah, and like, and you have your main character, the Michael Moore guy, who was Michael Malone, Michael Malone who who could play by Kevin Farley, Bugsy Chris Farley's Malone. brother. No, wait, wait, was that now Chris Farley, a guy that I was not a huge fan of in life, but uh, I have so much respect for after seeing his brother's performance <laughs> in this film. Now, is he named Kevin Farley as like a parody of Chris Farley? That, no, that's, no, his, that's name. his actual name. Oh, it's, it's his actual, actual brother. Name. That's his actual. Chris yeah, Farley. he's um, also in rental car commercials. So. Okay, so you, clearly the main character can see the ghosts because they're talking and shit like that. Well, they're coming to visit But him there's a couple a weird scenes where all of a sudden, like, other people can see the ghosts, and yeah. the ghosts have, are, like, shooting people in a subway, <laughs> and people are like, oh, wow, okay, I guess there's that terrorist got shot by a <laughs> ghost. ghost. <laughs> like, what? what's... It? Maybe it's like Ghost Town, the movie, and uh, with Ricky Gervais, but, like, mm-hmm. there were a couple people who are in Ricky Gervais's situation. Oh, okay. And they're, they, uh, what, what kind of, like, name would they be called? Like, trancers or ghosters? <laughs> I or? would call them uh, second-siders. Okay, second-siders. So yeah. there's a number of these second-siders around the world. Yeah, they have a loose network, Wait. which keeps, Amer- which keeps Earth, the Earth safe was from space the, ghosts. Now, is there... Is was there, that the John Larroquette, Bronson Pinchot film? That's Second, second Sight. Yeah, yeah that's absolutely. Second sight. Now, is there a organization, possibly quasi-Catholic, that is dedicated to the eradication of second siders. Yeah, let's call them uh, ex cathedras. Ex cathedras, I uh, like it. And they battle the second siders for the fate of the souls of the earth, not realizing that the greater threat lies outside. Man, this movie was great. <laughs> yeah, is it? There's I a think lo- we'll call it Wet Pecs. <laughs> <laughs> Wet pecs too. Pecking the gr- it. <laughs> the Grecian adventure. Pe- pecs through time. Um, uh, and and uh, I was just glad to see Kevin Sorbo got a paycheck from this. Yeah, yeah. it's been a long time since Andromeda got canceled. You know. Yeah, and Call the Conqueror was so, awesome, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was, wasn't it? This was directed by David Zucker, one-third of Zucker, Abram Zucker. Yeah, and it was of, 30% of that. Yeah. Of, where less. do I know that name well, from, Dan? I'm a listener at home. That Kentucky doesn't... Fried Movie. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Movie, Airplane. okay. Airplane. Okay, I like Top those. Secret, Police That's... Squad, Naked Gun from the Files of Police Squad. Uh, at one point, a very Hot Shots guy. also? Uh, Hot Shots was at least two of them. What about Jane Austen's Mafia? Uh, I think that was no, maybe one. Okay. I don't know. They, that was the thing. Like they, once they start, once they split apart, they yeah, all they sort of made their own. What about Scary Movie Three? 
Uh, Which one did they do? They scary did scary movie three. Two. Yes, uh, was a Zucker production. They took over after the second. After one, the right? Wayne. Which one Brothers, was the one with uh, Chris Elliott out. in it? Uh, the second one. Yeah, you're thinking of Cabin Boy. Mm-hmm. I am thinking of Cabin Boy. That was great. <laughs> but the point is, a funny guy, but has uh, been overcome with just like everything on this movie is this on the nose, like hilarious. But also for for a guy who's made so many movies, like this is a really poorly produced, poorly made movie. Well, it's just a polemic, and the thing is, like he, David Zucker's one of these guys. I've read an interview, you know, interviews with him, and he's one of these guys uh, who became a Republican. After 9-11. Like Dennis Miller, he's like, all right. George W. Bush. I'm going to become a Republican now. (laughs) However, like, that always baffles me because... And Tony the Tiger. Number one, it's not like Democrats weren't angered by the terrorist attacks. It seems like they were just looking for an excuse to be assholes. And they're like, oh, terrorism came along. (laughs) This is our chance. But also, like, like, this movie was made in the waning days of the Bush administration, like, after all that happened, to still cling to this, like, strange... <coughs> well, that's when you need it the most, when, you know, yeah. the country is turned against that way of thinking. Like, that's when you redouble your efforts to... You don't make a movie like An American Carol when people like, agree with you. You well, make it when people disagree with but that's you. that's the other thing. Like, the version maybe of... It's a, maybe it's an act of bravery <laughs> to produce this terrible film. <laughs> maybe. This terrible, unfunny film. But that's the other thing, like, the version of liberalism presented in this movie is such a crazy straw man, and as someone, Elliot, who, like, works in uh Who deals with a crazy satire, straw man all day? Well, no, but, like, at <coughs> least uh, you're, you know, like, The Daily Show traffics in sort of left-leaning political satire. Yeah, you guys do some political stuff, up. right? <laughs> Every now and then, yeah. But, but, like, but, yeah, but, but it hangs people by their own words. We, we kind of, well, it's different when it's a show than a movie, because, like, we can show people saying things, but... Mm-hmm. It's true. Like we, I mean, we try to do as much as possible things that are grounded in reality, as opposed to ghosts. Ghosts. <laughs> I wish we did more stuff. But as opposed to caricatures, like they have, they have Rosie O'Donnell. They have a Rosie O'Donnell character in this called hilariously Rosie O'Connell. I think. Mm-hmm. And, oh, she was supposed to be Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> yeah, and oh, they have wow. Rosie O'Donnell talking so about sense. her documentary film about how evil Christians are, and it's like. I, Do- Rosie O'Donnell doesn't make documentaries. I don't remember her specifically coming out against Christians. Right. Maybe when they, re- maybe it involved now, her lesbianism. If it was a failed like, Broadway musical about I mean, how awful Christians are, at least are. that would like she I mean, has I know a connection she's a with bitch, that. But, oh. but it just like <laughs> you guys got real cool. But it was just it was just <laughs> that was when you were going to slip under the radar. <laughs> Stewart's calling out Rosie O'Donnell on our podcast. Yeah, let's battle. But it's just weird because it's like. Why are you like? I guess she says she said liberal things. When, I guess this must have been made when she was still on the View, and she was like the hardcore liberal opposite Elizabeth Hasselbeck. But it's just weird to attack her as a liberal documentarian attacking Christians when I, like I don't really think of her that way. I mean, you I think probably, of her in, as as an irritating, like, once they, funny comedian. Do but, you think they either picked a name out of a hat or they had an actress selected and were like, who does this? kind of overweight actress look like. <laughs> I think they said we need to have a Rosie O'Donnell character, but then oh, we need good. to figure out something for her to yeah, do in Daily the Daily Variety put out a call for uh, Rosie O'Donnell types. Yeah, maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe it was that they were like, must you bring know own what? Beret. <laughs> you know what? The, beret for some reason. You know who I think is stupid and hilarious looking? Rosie O'Donnell. Let's get somebody that we can uh, that looks like that so we and can the, But the same way together. that they had like a guy playing Jimmy Carter talking about and and like the we're talking about how great it is that America's going to surrender to terrorists and like not only did they not get someone who looked or sounded anything like Jimmy Carter, because again, they only hired shitty celebrity impersonators, but like 
to ha- to have to they attack could use Jimmy a fucking, Carter. Fucking cartoon, like they could have used a CGI like character that would have been more yes. realistic. They could have used the like archival footage of Jimmy Carter and just dubbed it in. Like, well, the, to, to attack him for being not a very good president, to attack him for being, to for not you know solving the Iranian hostage crisis magically, or to attack him for you know his liberal out. Like you can do those things, but to exaggerate it to that degree invalidates what you're saying like it's crazy and speaking of uh the terrorists taking over um the movie's version of what would happen <laughs> is if we oh. lost the war on terror <laughs> is that apparently i guess the terrorists invade america and take it over and it's basically the same except for instead of like gaps around except- there's a bunch of burka stores <laughs> and but they still have a they still have a pizza place that says new york style pizza uh-huh. in big neon letters yeah like- there's like coca-cola signs like <laughs> Everywhere. Ultimately, fucking life didn't seem to change, so I guess I'm okay. <laughs> they with changed that. the Hollywood signs that said Alu Akbar. That, yeah, that I mean, wouldn't if, bother me that much. If that's all Oops. it takes to end the war on terror, then maybe we should just let them invade, which is apparently, according to David Zucker, what's going to happen. That's the other thing, and I don't want to get off on too many political rants because this is a movie podcast, but mm-hmm. like the, uh, the thing that would bother me so much in the 2008 presidential race was this. This is something Mitt Romney used to say more than other guys, but the idea that like these people want to come in and establish a caliphate over America and take it over and we're not going to let that happen it's like how that's that you could there are no amount of cities in America that you could blow up that Americans will be like mm, i guess we're just going to have to submit to this you know extreme islamic law that yeah it's going to be like red dawn or something yeah, they're going to come crazy. parachute into like it's an insult to this to this Colorado, it's an insult. Harry Dean Stanton is going to need you to avenge him it's yeah, an insult to the strength of will of the American people that after a certain point they'll be like, I can't take any more of this. I better just convert to Islam and like do what these guys tell me. Well, and Elliot, and also, you, there can't be more. Like, let's say there are numbers. I let's mean, say there are a hundred thousand terrorists. You would need ten to a hundred to I don't know, to, you know, many more times that many people to conquer the United States of America. Like. It's an enor- It's the strongest country in the world. It's enormous. Yeah, if what are know. they going to do? Like breed with alien DNA <laughs> so they have like tons of babies or something? That's X Files the move. The fight the future. <laughs> Stuart, don't say that. They're going to get ideas from this podcast. It's, it's just happen. so insulting. Alien it's like babies. We've you know that there hasn't been you know a full scale war on our soil since. On what? the subject of alien the babies, war? I just Come watched. Uh, I watched Species Two the other day, <laughs> and uh, please, that was great. A lot of alien babies in that. What was great was that the uh, basically the premise is well, there's an alien a guy who's uh, you know this astronaut gets alien DNA mixed in his own stuff, so he's like part alien or something, and then he just goes around having sex with women, and they immediately erupt with a baby out of their stomach and die. Like it's just it's it's so gross it's a male view of of pregnancy. I think in childbirth. Yeah, I think that's what it is. It was, all I did was was have sex with this woman. All of a sudden, there's a baby exploding uh, out of her stomach. All I did was put it in for a second. Now aliens are going to destroy the world. Oh, <laughs> uh, what a great movie! I'll never forget that there's a uh, Sam and Max cartoon that showed where they were like, "Did you know?" And it's like women and like men think of babies as parasites living inside a woman's stomach, and just. Uh, Max, as a as a fetus inside a woman, uh, gleefully exclaiming, "I'm a parasite! I'm a parasite!" Just the idea of uh, babies as parasites feeding off their hosts. I don't know what's strange about that, Elliot. <laughs> oh wow! But um, so before Oof. we we so should wrap Watchmen up soon, or... but, uh, <laughs> Elliot, as the Flophouse historian, uh, which I think you are, I believe you had I a lot of be problems with the, the Arthur Schlesinger Jr. Distinguished Chair of History at the Flophouse. <laughs> But the the movie's view of history, I think you had a few issues. It with. was just very. They seem to be saying they well. It was like 
we have to fight this war. If we hadn't fought in World War II, Hitler would have taken over. If we hadn't fought the Civil War, there'd still be slaves. That's why we got to fight this war. And it did this idea that all wars are equal and, you know, we have to... Obviously, war is what... what Everything good in America came out of war, which is crazy. We got Velcro from the space program. Hello. Yeah. And Tang. You know, it just it was this very ridiculous thing of like... And but we did the space in, program for war, and moon right? boots. In theory, it was more of a... And moon, and moon boots, yes. <laughs> and ceramics. But it was like, just the idea that, that like, this war... What's different between this war and the Civil War and, or the World War II? Nothing. The, guys are shooting. <laughs> That's war. Same thing. Come on, let's do this, everybody. You don't want the, you don't want the Iraqis to be slaves to southern landowners or killed by Hitler. Done. It was just very, you know. Yeah, and they're, um, I mean, I think to more, uh, to more critique the movie rather than well, yeah, its we crazy should get to ideology, the movie, yeah. Yeah, it's like the their, their way of presenting Hitler is as this, like, kind of silly guy hanging out with Mussolini and Hirohito, like, dancing. Yeah, it was just, it was, they were trying to shoehorn jokes into a, an ideolog- ideological structure, and the jokes they picked were, like, not, because they were hamstrung. They couldn't, they were kind of hemmed in by the by the story. They couldn't put in funny jokes a lot of times. Yeah, like, let's throw a banjo in the scene. That's funny. Hey, let's have this guy fall over. That's funny. But, like, it's these, he's dealing with slaves. So let's get Gary Coleman as one of his slaves. Like, that'll be hilarious. It was there's sort of hilarious. No, it's not. There's no, there's no more overused celebrity cameo than Gary Coleman. Yeah. Except he's, for Paris Hilton, who I believe is also in the movie, unless she's true. an impersonator. Gary Coleman's really short, though, right? <laughs> he is very... Well, then, you could also get, you he's know, like a child, Manuel a Lewis or something, you know. That's mm-hmm. not quite as funny. Well, what about the late Jorge Velazquez? That's funnier. <laughs> if you had the corpse of Jorge Velazquez. <laughs> like a Maybe. mummy? Yeah, exactly. The Mummy Four, the Return of Jorge Velazquez. <laughs> wait, he's in the Mummy. Wait, there's a fourth Mummy movie. I, I there will be when I make it. Okay, is Brendan Fraser going to be back again? Yeah, I mean, but he's a mummy. Oh wow! This is a new kind of mummy where if you get bitten, you turn into a mummy. <laughs> okay, is this one going to be in 3D? It's called Mummy Four 4D. 4D. Okay, what's the fourth dimension? Th- time. All movies are three dimensional. Okay, so wait. What what time? Wait, it's going to be an hour and a half, right? <laughs> she was like, "Wait, what what time am I seeing this movie?" <laughs> yes. The movie will be a trim seventy four minutes. Are there going to be Yetis in this one too? If you sh- yes, okay. well, Wendigos. That's like what Yetis. Yeah, but they wait. Those they are Native can- American Yetis, and they're cannibals. Yeah, they're cannibals. That's too bad. Well, and there's going to be a lot of and, and I know you're going to want to see it, Stuart. So I'm putting Christina Hendricks in with no top on. That's I do want to see it now. Or wait. I did before when there were Yetis and mummies. Whoa, whoa. It's like whoa. my favorite things in you're, one place. You're it, spending several millions of investors' dollars just designing a film that Stuart wants to Stuart see. Stuart is going to see it multiple times. I, don't, I still don't think it's a good return. I mean, even if you saw it every day in the theater. I've got a hunch on this one. Okay. Uh, I think a lot like the rest of America. <laughs> and I uh, think America's going to want to see this movie. You're the most perfect focus group we've found. I know. All right, let's it's called an American Mummy in Paris. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, excuse me for a second, okay? I'm just getting over the title. It's great. It ends in a lengthy mummy ballet number. It's called an American Mummy in Paris, The Quickening. <laughs> oh, interesting. I didn't realize that, that mummies could obtain The Quickening. Yeah, they can in this movie, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and Mad Max is in it, too. Mad Max? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Is, it, is it just going to be like they're going to, like... Uh, use Photoshop or something to cut him out of the scenes from uh, the Road Warrior and just like stick him in there, or is it just going to be Mel Gibson? Well, we got a time machine, and we're going back to 1981 to get that Mel Gibson. Okay, we're going to bring him in. That's cool. I don't think that's the best use of time machine technology. It's the only use of time machine technology. 
Everyone knows that time machine technology should only be used to hunt dinosaurs. <laughs> but then what do you think the sequel's going to have? Okay. An American Mummy in the Mesozoic. That's what it's called. And he fights a dinosaur. Okay, so American Carol. <laughs> yeah, I think we should wrap Not very this good. segment up. Um, yeah, very With our movie. final judgments on an American Carol. Final judgments. <laughs> Is it a bad, bad movie? A movie that's not worth anything? A good, bad movie? A movie that's sort of funny in its badness? Or a movie that you kind of like in some way? Stuart. Um, yeah, Dan, uh, there's nothing good about this movie. Uh, the only thing that was good was when it was over and I didn't have to watch it anymore. <laughs> It felt like an 80-minute-long Mad TV sketch, except with worse uh, celebrity impersonators. And worse production values. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible. Was, there were very, very rare segments where I'm like, oh, that's a good Zucker Abrams Zucker, Zucker joke. Like when uh, Robert Davi is, is pretending to be a, um, like a caterer at a, a big, at a party, and his terrorist compatriots don't recognize him. Goons. And so... He pulls down his fake beard to reveal a real beard beneath it <laughs> that look exactly the same, and suddenly they recognize him. I'm that like, was funny. I'm like, oh, that's that's a good gag. However, and they, there was one point where the time where they're eating at a diner, and for no reason there was Seinfeld music in and out of the scene. Yeah, that was more strange than funny. <laughs> it, was, it made me laugh because of the complete randomness of the joke. Like, I guess they're in a diner, so that's why <laughs> Seinfeld. But but other than like those very rare occasions, this may be the worst movie we've watched. I mean. It's not boring in the way that 10,000 BC or Bangkok Dangerous was uh, bad. Manix. <laughs> However, just in terms of making me like angry and check my watch, uh, this might be the worst. I would say, yeah, even putting aside politics, just in terms of like uh, joke level and also just as a, mo- like, as a movie, this might be the worst thing. That we watch in terms of production values, story structure, the fact that the movie, like even for this kind of movie, you don't expect like a, a strong three act structure, but it just kept lurching forward, and you never knew what part of the movie. There were two or three times where we were like, "Movie's still going? Like, is there any more to do mm-hmm. in this movie?" Like, you didn't know if even you were, at eighty two minutes long, <laughs> you didn't know if you were twenty minutes in or if you were seventy minutes. When I, when in. I was watching this movie, I kind of wish that I was the character that Nicolas Cage played in the movie Next, where I could see what happens <laughs> next. And I can see how shitty this movie was and then not watch it and instead have somebody else watch this one with you guys. Yeah, it was... Uh... You could go <laughs> hang out with your buddy, uh, Jessica Peter Falk. Beale. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Peter, Peter Falk was in that movie. Uh-huh. A+. Plus. Oh, I thought for a second that you knew Peter Falk somehow. Oh, yeah, I do. He's my, uh, he's my weird old uncle. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and by weird, I mean I think he's got some kind of disease or had a stroke or something. That's what's weird about him. Uh, but, yeah, I, think I would agree this is a bad, bad movie. Right. Even putting it's, aside politics, if yeah, I it's, was not, a, it's just not even. If made I was well. a Republican, I would say this is a poorly made movie in every respect. I don't know about that. I was looking on the. Uh, I mean, granted, only idiots post on the IMDb message boards. Even if I was Michael Medved, I would think this was a bad movie. And like, there were plenty of people who were like, "Finally, a movie for us!" And I cried. Well, I, I just feel bad for that person. Yeah. That the the movie that's finally for them is made really poorly. Yeah, it's really bad. And, yeah. I also oh, wonder God. what movies they're seeing that are... Because, like, the thing is, most Hollywood movies are not liberal, It's the but people in Hollywood are liberal. Like, they're mm-hmm. outspokenly liberal in their private life. But, like, you don't see that many movies that are so outwardly... Unless it's, like, racism is bad. Well, I mean, well partic- yeah, we can all agree on that. I mean, that, particularly, you know? like, most action films are sort of inherently... Um, 
I don't know, not, well, not Republican, but conservative in their they viewpoint. Because they fall on the idea of good and evil and force being the way to defeat evil. Right, like that's, and uh, yeah. certainly as a fairly liberal guy, like, I enjoy that shit. I watch the, I watched fucking 24, which is like almost camp for like a, a liberal to watch. <laughs> and I was like, this is ridiculous. Oh, how can Jack Bauer torture another person? But I still <laughs> enjoy it. Yeah, that it's the weirdest thing about it is like this movie's made by a bunch of like Hollywood types, right? Yeah. Who who are tired of you know the liberal well, Hollywood? Basically, every Republican in Hollywood. Yeah, is so, in this movie. Well, what I think I, is Ron weird, Silver wasn't in it. What I think weird. is weird is how uh, how the focus is on like New York being really liberal when like fucking right across the street yeah, is San Francisco and like Hollywood and I would think that like. I would think they'd be more frustrated with, like, San Francisco types and shit. I think it's almost more like because New York is where the World Trade Center attacks took place, except for the attack on the Pentagon. It's and like, Columbia, those assholes in Columbia. Columbia. But it's like, if any place should get it, New York is. And But also maybe, like, they went to Vancouver and it looked more like New York than Hollywood. They needed so they, to knock you know. us down a few notches, us <laughs> New Yorkers. But I will say I've that their, their portrayal of the basement of Madison Square Garden is not that off. All right, well... We end on a positive note. <laughs> Although I don't remember any pizza boxes with pizza and rats in them, so, as, the, as the movie portrays. I'm going to read one uh, email here from um, Andrew, last name withheld. And so many people from the same family, the last name withheld, it's right into the show. Well, it's a large family. They breed a lot, and they give everyone iPods. <laughs> uh, and the title of it is, Best Original Screenplay is Confusing. Period. And, <laughs> period. And this is mainly directed to you, Elliot. It says, Gulp! Since you guys have a member of the esteemed WGA on your podcast, WGA East, I hope to finally get a damn answer to a question that plagues me every award season. Whoa, Darn whoa, answer. whoa, buddy. Hey, You're settle down. I am already maybe not even going to answer this letter. I don't like their tone. <laughs> <laughs> How is something like Milk considered an original screenplay? It's still an adaptation, but from a real life and not another work. I mean... The character of Harvey Milk did not spring out of the head of Zeus for the screenwriter. He got the idea from an outside source and then adapted it into a screenplay. It just seems weird that a Charlie Kaufman script is in the same category as a biopic. Here's the difference. It's not whether it's a wholly original idea that came from only your brain, but the fact if it's adapted from a specific pre-existing written source. If, it, if Milk had been adapted from one specific biography of Harvey Milk, it would have been an adaptation. But the idea is that even though you have all of Harvey Milk's life to deal with, the structure is yours, what things you choose to talk about are yours, what things you choose to highlight in the movie. The movie starts in, what, 1960, when Harvey Milk is already 40 years old. We see nothing of his life before the age of 40 when he moves to San Francisco. It was the screenwriter chose to start, or somebody involved in the, in the creation of the screenplay chose to start it there, end it with right after his death and to deal with specific things in between. He focuses in very in a lot of detail on the individual races Harvey Milk ran in and lost mm -hmm. before he won the the city council seat and relatively little time on when he was on the council. He deals with certain aspects of Harvey Milk's personal life but not very much with say Harvey Milk's family or you know like I was saying his past or his upbringing. It's all and some of the characters in it I'm sure are fictionalized versions of people that Harvey Milk knew, or in some cases, like James Franco's character, I don't remember if he was a real person or if he was a combination of figures to represent that person in Harvey Milk's life. So all these are considered original screenplay what's-its. Now, what if the screenwriter had adapted it 
from the food item milk. Well, with the thing you drink. <laughs> in that case, okay. uh, it would be a more interesting film in some ways, but uh, it would be considered it'd be like Flatland. It's a good question. I don't think they've ever had anything that was adapted from a product as opposed to. But for instance, it like probably doesn't have a character arc. Like American Gangster was adapted from a magazine article. So even though that was based on a true story, if it had been nominated for Best Screenplay, which it wasn't because it was a terrible script, it would have been – I think it was, and I don't remember. It would have been Best Adapted Screenplay. I mean, however, for, or, he is, he, the, the, the writer is not uh, crazy in that this does lend itself to some really weird distinctions in that, um, say, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was a Best Adapted Screenplay nominee because it was based on The Odyssey by Homer – when it wasn't really based on the Odyssey by Well, Homer. that's 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 the Coen brothers kind of paying the price a little bit for choosing to refer to it as an adaptation of right. the Odyssey instead of just writing it, saying it's an original screenplay, and then saying like we took there it's we took elements we took from, elements from the Odyssey and put it in. That's it's partly based on how it's uh, listed in the credits for the film. The yeah. same way that the people who are nominated for the award are the people who are officially credited with the film, which doesn't always represent everyone who worked on the movie. But for instance, like I'm working on a project right now in my own spare time, which is none, so it's going to take me years to this do this. Is, this is like a look behind the curtain of Ellie yeah. Allen, which is a biography of which is a which is a stage production or stage play about a real person's life, and I'm going to read all of the biographies written about this person because there's only been about three or four of them. And but and I'm why not. Why is gonna, it taking so long, Elliot? Well, I haven't started the reading yet. I mean, I've okay. read one of them before, and I have to reread it. But it, I'm not going to be. Adapting it's about me, it. isn't it? Yes, okay. it's about Stuart Wellington. <laughs> There's only been three uh-huh. books written about you. It's yeah. called Stewing with Stewart. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> the but, I didn't approve that. But like I'm focus. I already know I'm focusing on only two specific years in this person's life. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ad- adapt it directly from the biographies. I'm not going to use any phrases from the biographies. I'm just using them for background information. And maybe I'll quote primary documents if I want to. But because it's not you're gonna... angling for the best original script Tony Award. Exactly. This will be an OB if anything. This when is not coming to Broadway. Hugh Jackman hands it to you at the, Hugh, at the podium. Yeah, he Jack. could very well. And I'm going to be like, "Whoa, I don't want your claws to hit me, Wolverine." <laughs> but that's Excuse a different. Me, bub. But that's it. What it ultimate? What it really is is whether it's credited as an adaptation or not. But what it is is if it's. Even if it's based on a real person's life, you, the, the screenwriter is still choosing how to present it, and all of the dialogue might be completely invented. You know. Yeah. So I hope that this member of the WGA East has cleared that up for you. That was a burn. That was what, a burn. This has been another. was that? This has been another episode of. That was completely Ask factual. Of WGA East. Um, I have to. I have to make it clear because they are technically two brother unions who who are affiliated, but not the same organization. Um, and that that was the only letter. However. Stuart, I wanted to oh, open this no. up to you. That's the only letter. We need more. Write well, in, people. I wanted to open this up to you, though. Um, we did letters when you were gone. Oh, okay. And one of the questions Sit-a-man. was about superheroes. And because of that, I thought that you needed to be included in this. Uh, okay. There was a question of if we were superheroes, the Flophouse crew, mm-hmm. what our powers would be, what our, what our costume would look like. Um, you know, how the, the public would react to us, and you weren't here, so I want to open up those questions to you, like what your superhero would be. Um, 
I see myself at, wait, is this like what I would like to be or no, what, what actually? What you would be. What you would be as a member of the Flophouse Super you're Team. Not, you're not Captain Dark Raven. <laughs> okay. You're, you're your real self. I don't have like really cool long hair. And you're a, not Steel and, like, Star. <laughs> uh, Demon Wolf or something. <laughs> oh, wait, do I have to come up with a name too? Well, if you like. Uh, man, like I, I would imagine that my superpower would be uh, – Similar to that one guy in the Hellfire Club uh, that could increase his body mass. Oh, okay, I remember him. He and, he and he fell on top of Wolverine. Yeah, I could. I, that'd be me. Like I could <laughs> he increase. Fell on top of Wolverine. <laughs> really proactive. He's like, Oops. <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's a big fat guy. Yeah, knock him down a few notches. Because uh, come on, I mean, like Wolverine, fuck that guy. Um, and that, yeah. So I think I could do that. Like I, I'd make myself really dense. Mm-hmm. And just be really immobile, kind of like the blob. Like nothing would move me. I just kind of sit there, and people. So try you're and push a fat superhero. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I'm like a no nonsense kind of guy too. I, you know, uh, and maybe, uh, maybe I'm really, uh, really smart, or maybe telepathic. <laughs> <laughs> I like no. Wait, uh, I have X-ray vision too. Wait, you, I, I think that you should have some sort of mustache superpower. Well, I have a mustache. That doesn't have to be necessary. Like, well, wait. when we answered this for you, you you were called the stash. That's pretty. Oh, nice. Uh, I okay. Now, well, what's your a, superhero name? Here's you a reimagining. Okay, <laughs> I'm just an average everyday this guy. Is Tim Burton's version. Okay, this is the Tim <laughs> Burton what version. Uh, <laughs> yep. And uh, okay, so the Watcher is watching me. Okay, <laughs> and in this version of reality, instead of getting that power that makes me really dense, uh, I'm just an average everyday high school kid. And then an alien mustache attaches itself <laughs> to my face, okay? So it's like Green Lantern a little bit, but with Kinda a mustache. I like Green Lantern. I can't make stuff that's green. Colors don't matter that much. Um, the mustache is always kind of getting me into trouble. Um, and that's about it. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. And I, I wear a domino when I'm fighting crime. Like a domino mask. Yeah, that's not much of a disguise, but... I guess you can't cover. What are you up talking about? I was imagining an actual domino, like just like a tiny domino, <laughs> like, like in like the a, middle of your chest, like a pendant. If anyone, no, just like like it was like you like had that's like a, a completely blank, uh, you know, spandex like a, uniform like a and tank top. Like a and what's your name? And what's your superhero name? Uh, let's see, the Widowmaker. <laughs> okay, <laughs> the Widowmaker. <laughs> the I I I want people to write in if they know the name of that Hellfire Club character. I think it was Leland, but I don't remember. No, Leland, it's else. No, yeah, it's Leland, Leland Palmer. Palmer. <laughs> no, all the way from the town of Twin Peaks to join the Hellfire Club. Well, all the, all the, all He'll the, be the White Bishop. All those characters have names like Fitzroy or Leland or Tolliver or you know Shaw. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. nothing more scary than sort of a foppish British, <laughs> a vaguely UK fop. Yeah, name. yeah, they wear like old timey revolutionary outfits. <laughs> Like they're on the set of Johnny Tremaine the movie. <laughs> you have this newfound drama. Love Johnny Tremaine, yeah. <laughs> and I love the Hellfire Club. <laughs> I wish they put those assholes in a fucking X Men movie. I don't want to find out about shit that turns mutants into non mutants. Yeah, I'd rather man. see a bunch Why of weird foppish dorks. Have to be the bad guy in all three. Because it's films. easier. It's easier. Yeah. They Bring all... in the Hellfire Club. Crabby CGI. Dude. Where were what the, the Shiar? Where were the Starjammers? And, and the Come fucking, on. Where were the Brood? Where was Chod? Oh, yeah, right. Ch- Chod? <laughs> where was Mamzelle Hepzibah? What about Corsair? Wait, Cyclops' dad? Character. They named the character after the Pogo character. Okay, She's like a giant lady Wait, wait, skunk. was Corsair Cyclops' dad? Yes. Okay. All right, this is Yeah, not, we should do that. Where's Gazar, whatever his name <laughs> this is? This is not yeah. the Marvel cast. Let's move on. Okay, so what else is going on? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we've we should, only done... 
30 some of these podcasts on your <laughs> okay. We should do the recommendations, recommendations pretty quick probably. Recommendations of movies. Oh, right, right, right. Um, Why don't you go Stuart again? Uh, I've watched a lot of great movies lately, Dan. I watched Species 2, as I was just talking. Um, <laughs> uh, I saw some movies I didn't like so much, like The Foot Fist Way, which is really oh, overrated. I still haven't seen that, but I've heard I it's liked, overrated. I liked it, but I thought it was overrated. It was overrated and really poorly acted. Hmm. Like I thought it had some of the worst acting I've seen in the comedy in a long time. Um, and that, But I've huh. seen some really great stuff, like I rewatched Hard Target. Uh, where uh, sure. where uh, Jean Claude Van Damme plays the character Chance Boudreau. <laughs> I do I do have it on my Roku right now. Yeah, it's so. awesome. Um, but actually, the movie I'm going to recommend this time is uh, I'm going to recommend uh, Guy Ritchie's Rock and Rolla. Um, really recommending a Guy Ritchie film. This is very unlike you. It's That's weird. A brave. Stance. And um, the thing is, like, it initially I was kind of like, meh, as I was watching it. But as I as it went on, I was going, I, I went. Ah, like it uh it definitely grew on me as the movie went on uh gerard butler who was in that great movie what wet pecs wet pecs yeah <laughs> wet gerard pecs. Butler, butler yeah he was great he was great in wet pecs um and yeah i mean by by i was i was definitely into the movie midway through and uh like it it kind of felt like an hour and a half long episode of the guy Ritchie show um and you know starring Guy Ritchie yeah like I'd watch another hello of everybody that. welcome to the Guy Ritchie show what's this then get your shooters boys <laughs> yeah so it was great and uh, Tom Wilkinson was in it and uh, he's good I love Tom Wilkinson like if I had to make a movie where somebody had to be my dad it'd be Tom Wilkinson hmm. so Tom Wilkinson Not if you're Jim out there Broadbent? no he'd be like a weird like goblin's dad. <laughs> He would be lovable. See, I'd no love way. To, I'd love to cast Harry Dean Stanton as my grandfather. That'd, That'd be pretty be awesome. That'd be cool. All right. Uh, I want to recommend uh, Swimming to Cambodia. Oh, a uh, new film. Yeah. Well, you know. Well, I'm going to recommend older movies, so don't worry. Yeah. Um, surprise. <laughs> very. Bilingual podcasting. You know, it's very hard to um, make a film of a stage production and make it engaging like consistently engaging i mean anyone who's been in a play and has then like seen that play on video like someone's like i'm gonna take a video of this yeah and, it looks like, terrible it's always disappointing uh but jonathan demi is very good at doing it i mean i i believe that stop making sense is probably the best concert movie ever made i would say also the best jonathan demi movie it's possible i mean i i really like him as a director but uh, swimming to, to Cambodia, despite just being um, Spalding Gray sitting there and talking for 90 minutes, is extremely dynamic and engaging, and uh, I just enjoyed it a heck of a lot. I don't really have much more to say about it. Hmm. Uh, I'm going to recommend two films uh, for the kitties in the audience. Uh, this past so, Saturday... Wait, the cats? Yeah, for the, for the cats in this audience, uh, and I, by that I mean cool jazz people. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie called The Muppet Movie, which I watched again recently, with Dan and my girlfriend, who had never seen it before. And not the same person. Nope, not the same person. <laughs> and that's why there was an and in between the, <laughs> in between the, two, na- the two notifiers. I thought you signifiers. were yeah. And uh, just as funny as I remember it. very similar names. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, the, and just as touching as I remember. It's a movie that uh, I, I remember as a kid I really loved, and it, always kinda, and it always choked me up as a kid at the end of it. But watching it again, it was like, this is a movie about people who wanted to be performers as kids and then grew up to be performers. Like it's a, it's very much. It feels very much like as the Muppets are grouping together that it almost feels like Jim Henson's story of putting together his, the people he worked with so closely over years. And so it was very 
moving to me. It's like Meet the Feebles. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's just like Meet the Feebles. And the other one for the adults in the audience who like Kung Fu, a little movie called Karate Bullfighter. <laughs> a uh, little movie called Kung Fu Anal. <laughs> <laughs> the adults who love movie, Kung Fu. A little movie called, well, Volume 4. Yeah. Uh, Karate Bullfighter, which is a movie about a karate master who he, he does fight a bull in one scene, but overall he's just trying to figure out what the power of karate is for. Is it just for fighting? Does there need to be force behind it in the hands of the wrong person? Is it a deadly weapon, more deadly than a gun? And there's also a scene where he fights a black American and the American to show off how strong he is. He puts a Coke bottle, a glass Coke bottle, in his elbow on the inside, and then he just flexes his muscles until he breaks the Coke mm-hmm. bottle. And there's a scene where he fights the black Russian and he just cuts his hand on the glass. That's, that's, that's pretty awesome. No, no, no. But he does fight a ball with his bare hands. <laughs> the look of pain on both of your faces <laughs> after I made that joke was worth it. But I haven't seen the scene. Did sequ- you get that one from David Zucker? Did he write, <laughs> write some of your material tonight? Michael Malone. <laughs> I haven't seen the sequel to Karate Bullfighter, Karate Bear Fighter yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And he does not use a flamethrower, Stuart. Spoiler, I think he fights a bear in that one. <laughs> I hope so. He better. Maybe Hadouken's the bear, like like Ryu. <laughs> so we learned a lot tonight, guys. We learned the error of, of our ways politically. Mm-hmm. And we learned that you don't need to match up shots when you're making a movie uh-huh. or mm-hmm. time your jokes out so that people understand the jokes. You learned that uh, the brother of a dead comedian is just as good as having that comedian. I think the Belushi brothers taught us that. Yeah. You know, I learned that... And, al- and also Chester Keaton, <laughs> Buster Keaton's brother. I learned that um, there's some things worse than people that have a different ideology than me. It's people who are really bad at making movies. Yeah. Mm. In a way, that's the lesson of the flop house. Yep. So we should sign off. Uh, my name is Dan McCoy. And I'm Stuart Wellington. What if the de- what if it's the Marx Brothers and like Harpo and Chico are dead but Groucho is still alive? That's not your line. Okay. I'm Elliot Kalin. Gotta go, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Zing! I just watched Demon Knight again. Not a great movie, but it was okay. It's not a great movie, but, you know. I liked it. As far as Tales from the Crypt movies go. There were some boobs. Better than Bordello of Blood. Because there were boobs in that, I think. In Bordello of Blood? I think there was a shockingly... Demon Knight has a lot of Billy Zane in it. That's true.